word get started. Father in heaven, we thank you for your your word. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come before your throne. We thank you, Lord, for your anointing that empowers us and just makes everything so easy for us, Lord. We thank you for that. Father, open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts and our minds that we may receive your word today and put it into practice. We don't want to just hear. We want to do. So we thank you, Lord, for making us doers of the word as well. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So um, we're going to continue with uh, what we were sharing yesterday about um, fixing your eyes on Jesus. And, and I want to start out by explaining how how faith for promises works and how the walk of faith goes. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. And so that's something that we often do not take into account when we're screaming that we can't take it anymore. When is it coming? What's wrong? All of the above. We don't realize that we're not in charge of any of that. We're just following the plan of God. Uh, it's good to keep your, your faith in him. Keep your promise in Jesus connected at all times. Because the enemy wants you to disconnect them so you think you're out there floundering by yourself with this little puny faith and it will never be big enough, great enough, tall enough, handsome enough, you know, all of the above to please God. And and so it's just good to always keep in mind he's right there with you. It is his job to help you. He lives to make intercession for us. Intercession meaning praying for us and intervention. Amen. So when we need someone to intervene on our behalf, he's right there helping us. Amen. He's not grading us on big, little, and small faith. Amen. Uh, you know, when the disciples were under training, that's a whole different place than where we are now. We have, there were some elements of, of where we are now in their lives, but you know, we, our faith is being perfected every day. And theirs was being perfected too. Jesus was just remember, reminding them to use their faith. Amen. And so it's, you know, people say, well, there's big faith, little faith. You know, I don't know about that for right now. All I know, he perfects it. And he'll get you where you want to go. So if you think you have little faith, that's not the end of the story. Amen? Amen? It's never the end of the story. So in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says here, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so him being set at the right hand, we know the right hand is the hand of strength and power and influence. Amen. So Jesus can influence our lives in a great way as the author and finisher of our faith. That word author also means captain. It means leader. It means the inventor or the first inventor of something. Amen. And so uh, we we need to understand that Jesus is in full control of our faith. He just didn't hand it to us and here said, here, go for it, study the word, believe the word, uh, do Brother Hagin's six steps to your answer and Brother so-and-so's seven steps to this. He He is there with us, guiding us, supplementing our faith. Amen. 
undertaking and holding on to what we're trying to get rid of when we're faithless. Amen. Because truth be told, most of us would just prefer not to have to do all this faith stuff. This is work. Amen. Amen. And so we, we just want to, he wants to be there to encourage us and give us that discipline, uh, you know, the, the, the wherewithal, the strength to come through and do what, because he knows we can do it. He knows it's possible. Amen. Uh, it's just like parents when your children, um, start walking, they stumble a little bit. You know, how many times do toddlers fall? They don't lie there and just scream and say, Mommy, I can't do it. They get up and try again. Amen? It's just in us to continue trying until we run into something. Amen? (laughs) Once we get grown, you know, that's where the trouble starts. Amen? Uh, You know, you you get a little older and you want to slack off. But initially, it's in you to keep going because you have a goal. You know, that that baby has been lying there, you know, unable to walk for like six, seven, eight, nine months. But they've been looking at their coffee table and them little tchotchkes you got on there. They've been, you know, planning to get up and touch them for like six months now. So you can't stop them once they know they can get over there or get halfway there. Just got to get it. So, you know, but once we get on our feet, it seems, and we have the option, see, walking is normal. Being able to get around is normal. So now we have the option of whether we really want to do it or not. Amen. Especially if mom and dad tell you get up and put a broom or a rake in your head and go do some work. Then you don't want to walk all of a sudden. You don't want to do things. And that's the way it is with the walk of faith. Many times we hit those obstacles and we wonder, is it worth it to do this? Amen. Is it worth all of this to do this? Amen. And and what I always tell people, go back to what God originally called you to do to find out if it's worth it. Amen. What are you here for? What are you doing? What did he call you to do? And and then you decide if it's worth it. Amen. Do you decide if that's part of what he's called you to do and if it would be better for you to not be obedient to what he's told you to do? Or if you, you know, you need to do it. You know, it's part of your discipline. It's not going to be pleasant all the time, but it's going to be possible. Amen. It's going to be possible. You know, we all want a, a miracle when we need one. We want a miracle bill pay. We want a miracle, uh, unlimited finances. We want a miracle car. We want a miracle this. But miracles take sweat. You know, I mean, I, I, I like miracles, especially, you know, we have meetings and people need them, you know, for myself and for other people. But, but you know, you can get up there and be praying for people and start sweating. And, you know, all miracles take a little work, you know. That's all I'm saying. It's going to take something out of you. And so we have to consider the cost. We have to consider and, and make up our minds that it's worth it. I don't care what the cost is. It's worth it. And not vacillate once you decide it's worth it that makes the job of him being the author and the finisher the judge and the coach of our faith that makes his job so much easier because then we can cooperate with god the way we he needs us to amen and so uh, jesus wants to be the one he is the one who calls the shots 
The finisher is similar to a judge in the Olympic Games, amen, or in any race that we're in. Uh, I, if it's a horse race, there's somebody who's watching the photos. They used to, they just stood there, and whoever stood there and they passed the finish line, that was the official decree of who was the winner of that game where they placed. Now they have cameras. You know, and they can, they can do what they call photo finishes, where they have to go to the photo to determine who it was. And so the judge of the race is the one who determines your finishing. He determines when you're finished. And we're never finished until we reach heaven, but we are also in a race down here for our faith to accomplish certain things. There's certain things that God has set in your life that your faith needs to to tackle and get victory over and accomplish. It's not just what you want to use your faith for. That faith doesn't belong to you. Amen. It's the faith of the Son of God. It's on loan to you for for not only your purposes, but also for kingdom purposes too. And so once you understand that there's a twofold uh, goal here, that only Jesus knows the goal. And once you get into a situation where you begin to pray, you know, you, you're like, you took the bait, okay? You, you, there's, there's a hook in your jaw. You know, it's a comfortable hook. No, it doesn't hurt. Just a gentle nudge, go this way, go that way. But the bait was, ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you. That's the bait. And you, you bought it. You bit. Amen. Doesn't, you know, your habits can get you into a place where you have to take the hook. Amen. And God knows it. He said, well, they'll be back when so and so runs out or they get here, they get there. You know, we always come back. Amen. Why? Because he is the author and finisher. He's not done with us yet. Amen. That's why you come back. Because he's not done with you. There are more things he wants to bless you with. There are more things to conquer. There are more things to do as far as what your gifting in the earth is concerned. You know, your calling, your gifting, all of that, that belongs to God. You're his employee. Amen. And so we have to keep that in mind because we'll think, well, this is taking too long and what's the matter and you know, all that when, when, when we, we're, when we don't whine anymore, we're almost ready to really believe God. I'm going to say it for the people across the street at the Y again. When you don't whine anymore, you're almost ready to believe God. I mean, but for real though. See, we think we're believing him, but as long as there's something in you that's alive in your flesh that hates that process, you're not really believing him, not fully persuaded. It took Abraham to almost a 100 years old and Sarah to 90 to really fully believe God. Amen. So so don't feel bad. <laughs> You'll get there. Amen. He'll see to it. But along the way, you get all kinds of encouragement. You know, you get all kinds of answers to prayer. You get all kinds of relationship with him. In fact, after a while, the relationship is more important than the goodies. And all the married people said, ba-da-bump, huh? <laughs> I like this little, uh, there's a little, um, 
uh, a little German saying, kissing don't last, cooking do. Amen. <laughs> so after a while, you know, you, you run out of little sweet things to do, husbands and wives for each other, and then you settle down to relationship, getting to know one another. Amen. Not just how he makes you feel, you know. Your little heart goes a flutter. Gas. No. After you've been married for 20 years, gas. <laughs> I'll cut it out. If y'all wouldn't mess with me, with the sleep on me, I wouldn't have to do this. Resort to the old stuff. It had made me go way back for that one. Come on, y'all. Amen. But Jesus is in charge. So appreciate that. Appreciate the fact that you have a partner in your life that is there for you all the time. It's a friend. It's a friendly voice that speaks to you. He encourages you. Sometimes he'll tell you, come on now, get up and let's get moving. You'll be at this place long enough. Amen. I got things for you to do. You on the clock, girl. Come on, let's let's get it moving. And so it's it's just good to know that you're not by yourself in this. And he is a friend. He's not trying to lord it all over you and make you feel stupid and make you feel inadequate or anything like that. Uh, he's a teacher. Teachers don't do that. Teachers, unless the student's rebellious. You know, you can wear a natural teacher out. Y'all know that, don't you? Because, well, some of us have tried all the ones we've had. Amen. And they just left us alone after a while. Amen. Well, I'm going to give you this F and and just let you take it. (laughs) You think you don't need me. Amen. And so with Jesus being in charge, he's the author. He's the finisher. He waves the checkered flag at the end to say that the race is over. Amen. He's the one who does that. And so we we need to understand that it ain't over until he says it it's over as far as developing our faith is concerned. So so he wants us to stay in the race in the fight of faith uh so so that we can accomplish and receive everything that he has for us. So we were talking yesterday about the um Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood, they're all in one uh, one story um, in Mark chapter 5. I think it was the one, this is the one we were, you Mark. And <clears throat> Jairus is on his way to his house so that Jesus can pray for his sick daughter. And when Jairus gets there, he lets him know that she is at death's door. So there are some things going on here that, and just keep in mind that Jesus being the author and finisher of his faith, of everybody's faith, even the woman with the issue of blood, he's the author and the finisher. When we say author, he begins it. His word starts us believing. So the woman with the issue of blood, her story is, and when she heard of Jesus, she was stuck down down no man's land at a dead end, out of money. The doctors never could do anything for her, but they kept trying treatments on her because she kept coming back. Amen. That was all she knew. 
After she runs out of money, though, she opens her ears to hear something different. She heard about Jesus. And so it says that when she heard about him, she decided something. That she was going to get healed because this was like her last chance. She's in desperation mode and so is Jairus. Jesus knows how to organize and situate things even though we're in desperation mode. It's never too late to receive your miracle. It really isn't. Your faith will work. I don't care how, what the natural looks like, how, how discouraging the news is, how terminal what you have is according to them. Jesus never terminates anybody who's in faith. You hear me? He never just says, no, nah, just, you know, it won't work. It's too late. That's not true about faith. Amen. Faith moves into a realm that this world knows nothing about. It's riches and glory. There's all kinds of blessings and benefits for us in the realm of faith. If we will use our faith, if we'll humble ourselves and just go to God and, and tell him what it is that we need and believe him for it. And so uh, Jairus has done this. He goes to Jesus and said it be, he besought him greatly. Verse 23, saying, my daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. So he's got a hope inside of him. The hope is she shall be healed and she shall live. The conditions are you've got to come to my house and lay hands on her. Amen. If if he felt that he could have done it another way, he would have. You know, people, you know, you, well, you, you know, and we're not skeptics. We're it's question. We want to understand. Well, why didn't he bring her? You know, so many people brought people. Well, he was afraid she was going to die. So this fear of death is looming over him like everywhere he goes. He's he, at his house. There is a death watch. They're, you know, professional mourners come to your house when people die. I mean, they do this for a living. They know when to wail, when to pass out, when to fall on the ground. They bring food before people are dead. So nobody there is expecting her to live. So he might as well leave. Just for his sanity's sake. Part of it is is if she is that close to death, I don't want to stand here and just watch her die. Is there something I can do? Amen. And so he decides that he's going to go out and see if he can get Jesus to come home because that gives him peace. That idea gives him peace. This is my last chance. And there's a sense that most of us have that once we tell God about it, we're relieved of the burden and the trouble and the fear of it. See, the heaviness and the weightiness of what we're facing lifts off of us once we get that out there in the form of a prayer. Once we tell the master what it is that we need, it's like, well, after I tell him, that's his problem. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, seriously, and it is. Amen. 
Uh, if it can be done, it'll be done. And if it can't be done, but I gotta do something. I just can't stay around here long, any longer and watch my little girl die. And so he moves out and, and really there's an element of faith just in making the decision to reach out to God. See? Once he tells him what he wants, there's an element of faith in that too. So getting up and leaving the house, there's faith there. Speaking to Jesus and telling him what the need is, there's faith there. So all the way around, see, he could have turned around and gone back home at any time. Said, well, what am I going to do this for? She's so far gone. He, he, you know, it's your mind can easily talk you out of anything. Don't always blame it on the devil. You've been thinking devilish thoughts too. You know what I'm saying? Everybody wants to quit something. <laughs> Every other day, some people want to quit. Amen? I mean, quit is just like that close to you. You know, you got a door that says faith, and right by it is a door that says quit. Amen? And so he wants to, he wants to see his daughter well. That's the desire of his heart. Sometimes desire is what is driving you a lot more than faith is. The want of it is driving you. Amen. And so even that's why God says, if you delight yourself in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Amen. Just worshiping him, delighting in him, worshiping him, talk to him, bless him, thank him for everything. You get the desires of your heart. Amen. Jesus is the one person that you can schmooze and it works for you. Huh? It's, it's true. He says, bless me, praise me. Wealth and riches will be in your house. Woo, let's schmooze. Amen? So we're all for that. But see, the enemy is there to steal it from us because how many of us just spontaneously will worship God off and on throughout the day, all day long? Amen? Sometimes you just do, oh, I'm glad this day is over with. I'm getting this bed. Devil, don't, don't touch me tonight. I, I Psalm 91 you. Don't come up in here. I want to sleep tonight. You can't keep me awake with your nonsense. Amen. And, and so we, we have a, a kind of a short memory where spiritual things are concerned sometimes. We don't know the power that we have available to us if we would release it. It resides in us. All you need to do is it's get the ball rolling with a little praise, a little worship, a little thanksgiving, a little, a little verbalizing thanks, a little, you know, let your soul magnify the Lord. You know, your mind can go go uh, off in a different realm just thinking about the goodness of God. Amen. And so it, it's right there for us at all times. It, it really is. And so, uh, but Jesus uh, is there to help this man. Once he comes to him and kind of unloads his burden, then it is up to Jesus because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. So once you step out with him in faith and he is there with you all the time until your answer comes through, you got to know that. Amen. So once you step out in faith, then he carries it. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He said he just wants us to learn that. Amen. And so once he sets off with Jairus, 
they're on his way to his house and says, verse 24, Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. Now, this, this area where Jesus is, is, and, and where Jairus is, it's kind of a unique area because if you, if you read a lot of times, it'll say when he says when he got out of the boat, he said, let's go over to the other side. It's not like going across Lake Erie to Canada. I mean, this is like you can see where they're going from one port to the next. And so, and this is an area that's very close to, um, the Gadarenes. Men, the, the demoniac guy. So there were ten cities there that were real close together to one another. And word kind of spread very closely from one of those places to the other one. Because this is really just right after Jesus had cast the devil out of that man. And that man went to all ten of those cities preaching the gospel. Giving his testimony. That's why the next time Jesus showed up, everybody was waiting for him. Amen. They went from begging him to leave to everybody's waiting on him. Amen. And, and really, that's really the influence of the strong man. Because the, the demon possessed man was actually the strong man of those ten cities. That's why Jesus told him to go and tell people. And he went to all ten cities that he was the strong man over. So when, and really before he did that, the people didn't want Jesus there. That's why, because they hadn't be, been converted. They were under his authority still. And so when demons have to leave, when their authority gets questioned or who's over them is, is questionable anymore, they don't know what to do. They said, don't leave us, just don't throw us out, let us go into pigs. You know, the ones that were in him. And then there were, Demons that influenced the residents of that area because they bowed to this man. They tried to take a few brave people, tried to tie him up here and there, could not tie him up. So he ran all ten cities. Whenever you have authority, apostolic and prophetic authority, the strong man will always come to you when you first come to town. Now I'm a witness for that. This happened to me. Amen. And so they will introduce themselves to let you know This is mine. You ain't messing with it. That's pretty much what they are saying. So the fact that this crazy man came up to Jesus the minute Jesus got off the boat lets you know he's a strong man over there. He's in charge. So Jesus said, you the strong man, go clean up your mess. Remember he wanted to go home with Jesus? He said, nope, don't you do that. You go tell everybody You go set these people free. You've had them in bondage all these years. You go set them free. And that's what he did. That's why they were waiting to see him when he got back over there. Amen. It says they came out in record numbers. Amen. We'll get to that pretty soon. But I just thought I'd give that to you as some background information. Because this is how people who are wise in their authority, this is how they roll. See, why would Jesus go and try to play preach in a hostile environment unless he first found the strong man. Amen. And then he could spoil his house. In fact, he made the strong man go work for him. You got it? Hope that gives you watchmen some ideas. Amen. 
<laughs> Amen. Amen. So, so he's going home with Jairus. Tons of people are here. And it's probably a result of the preaching of the man who's been delivered. Amen. Because you don't get this kind of crowd, just curiosity seekers. People are curious for a minute. The minute they know they got to walk to see a miracle, they got something else to do. You understand what I'm saying? So the <laughs> the fact that these people were following meant that they were excited about this, that there was faith in the in the camp. Amen. There was excitement. There was faith. All of this helps Jairus' faith because he's been in the death camp all this time with the people who are ready to see his daughter die so they can break out the food and they can really go to performing. You understand what I'm saying? And so he he gets a reprieve from that. His His soul gets a rest from that. He gets a release from that atmosphere. And then he runs into this atmosphere of faith. Amen? Where these people are excited about Jesus. And not just about him uh, as somebody who draws attention, but they know something about him. They know that he delivered a man who had legions of demons in him. You know, so he said. And so it's it's a place of faith. It's a place of excitement. Whenever you get a lot of people wanting to see something, there's faith there, folks. There's there's definitely faith there. So the people thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, suffered many things of many physicians, spent all she had, was not, not better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Now, she said that by the spirit of faith. Now, how do we know the spirit of faith told her that? Because it worked. It came to pass. That's, you know, you know all you God told me, people? I mean, not y'all, but you know what I'm talking about. All them God told me. God said, God said, well, it's chill. When he shows up and does it, we'll all know, he told you. So here she is. She's heard this thing inside of her. The Bible says she said this within herself. It's like she's been meditating on it. She's been telling herself over and over and over again. She's been trying to understand it. And it's her hope. It's her dream. Whenever you want something, you tend to hold on to it. Amen. You don't just think about it one time. You make plans for it. Amen. If you know that God's blessing you with a new vehicle, you start cleaning out your nasty garage. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) Wherever you go to put it. Even if you got a car in there, you still got junk in there. You want to make room for it. You understand? Treat it like it's something you're looking for, something special. Start making preparations for that. Do something different. Amen? And, and once you, once you start in that process, you start moving more into the reality of it than just sitting back wondering when it's going to show up. At least start making plans for it. If you really, really expecting God to bring it to you, start making plans. 
in your head start making plans. Move out some of those doubtful thoughts and those discouraging thoughts and start moving in some hopeful thoughts. You don't get go to jail for, for thinking good thoughts or wanting good things to happen. Nobody can arrest you for that. Amen. So, so start putting some good stuff in there, you know, some plans in there. And, and if you'll start making plans, your faith will get stirred up. It gets stirred up more and more when we start putting action or anticipating putting some action to our faith. And, and so here, here Jairus is with Jesus. They're walking there. The woman with the issue of blood comes up and, and she's suffered many things, got worse. She heard of Jesus and she came in the press behind and touched his garment. This didn't all happen in one sitting. It may have, but it didn't necessarily have to. You don't know how long she's heard about Jesus. Amen. But we do know that's a part of the process of having faith. So when she heard about him, she believed what she heard. And it turned into an action that she had to do. She quit telling herself, you can't go out because you're unclean. You're bleeding and that makes you unclean. you got to isolate yourself from people. She quit telling herself that. Why? Because faith overrode the law. That was the law. Besides, just between me and you, the sister been slipping out all along now. Come on now. She half outlaw to begin with. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) She had to break the law to go see the doctor. She could say, I'm unclean, but here's my money. Huh? So she about halfway, you know what I'm saying. You love her and all that, and she's a good woman when she wants to be. When she got to break the law, though, she don't mind breaking a little law. Huh? Then my babies got to eat. Huh? <laughs> Put the carton of milk in your purse. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> she that kind of sister. Amen. <laughs> so she makes up in her mind. She's going to break the law one more time. She's been breaking it going to doctors. He'll break it one more time. But this time it's going to pay off. Amen. So this is not something new for her. She knows how to conceal herself, too. Got me? Amen. She's smart. Smart. But this time, the spirit of faith is with her to get rid of this once and for all. Amen? And so when she hears about Jesus, the Bible says she came in the press behind him. She doesn't want to be seen by him or Jairus. We talked about that yesterday. Jairus is the... Rule of the synagogue. Them's the people that carry out the law. He could have easily seen her there and told her, everybody back away. She's unclean. Made her go back home. Amen. So she's taken a big risk with both of them, but she watches them pass her by, and then she just gets up into the line, crawls down on the floor or the ground, and touches the hem of his garment. That's all she needed to do, and she knew it. And when she touched it, she could tell in her body, says straight away, the fountain of her blood was dried up. So that was God speaking to her, told her to do that. God co-signed 
her law breaking. And we all know why. Faith is a higher law. Faith came before the law. Amen. Faith breaks all the rules for the greater good. It says she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. When you're healed, you know it. Something goes off in you. You don't go just, you know, somewhere and all of a sudden they run a test and everything's fine. If you're being led by the spirit of faith, there is a knowing on the inside of you. Amen. It's good to have a knowing in advance because then when the good news comes to you, you won't fight it off. You know, because people have a hard enough time reacting appropriately to a miracle when it happens. You'll hear people say, I don't believe this happened. I just can't believe. Well, that's your carnal mind still trying to appreciate what your spirit man, you know, understands is normal. It's normal for your spirit man. But your carnal man still has to adjust some to it. Amen. So it's good to go and have a little, another little talk with yourself. Now calm down. This actually did happen. We have, we are healed now. We don't have to do this anymore. We start making plans to continue to act like a healed person. Amen. And, and do the thing you need to do. And so here she's, she's there and instead of just getting her healing and running off like she planned to do, Jesus stops and begins to question who touched him. Who touched me? Of course, immediately she thinks she's in trouble. Amen. Because she had been in trouble before. Priests see her walk in the streets. She snuck off to the store again. They see her. Where you been? You know you shouldn't be out here. Unclean. And she go back to the house. You know, people. You got religious. The religious people, all they do is put people in check. And ask a bazillion questions. Where you been? What you doing? Who told you to do that? How'd you get that? Huh? That's the, the, uh, religious Gestapo. They just gonna stop you any from doing anything that's gonna be good for you. Amen? That's how they roll. So Jesus looks around at all these people and says, who touched my clothes? He didn't say who touched me. Who touched my clothes? The disciples look at him. They always got the wrong answer. You know, by now you would think they would just be quiet and say, just you tell me, Jesus, what I need to know. Oh, they got to have answers. Hey, all these people out here, Jesus, you know, wherever you go now, it's a big entourage. Yeah, 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 because you always in front. Trying to pretend like it's for you. Huh? True. You see all these people and you saying who touched me? They always want to correct the teacher. What is that? Amen. And he looked round about to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. So, when he says, who touched my clothes, he's not just trying to be funny or 
trying to be, y'all better not be touching me. Y'all don't know me like that. You understand what I'm saying? It's not one of those kind of situations. But he's asking in faith, and faith always demands an answer. When the master asks you, he, uh, an answer is demanded of you. She couldn't ignore the question because of the power that was on the question. She had to fess up. Amen. Because Jesus' faith is controlling this atmosphere. And he needs to know who it is for a number of reasons. Amen. And we'll know. She, she thought she would just be a, a, a body in the crowd, get what she needed, run home, nobody would be the wiser. But he needed to know who she was for several reasons. Amen. First reason is condemnation when somebody isn't doing things under authority or under what they they assume is authority. Remember Jesus, when the leper said, you know, we want to be healed, and he said, go show yourself to the priest. It was because that was protocol. That was the right thing to do. They would have to have been, number one, in order for them to be declared leprous, a priest has already examined them and told them what to do. You can't be out in public. You can't touch people. If you must go out somewhere, you must shout unclean so people can stay away from you. You're contagious. And so when Jesus told them, go show yourself to the priest, he could have just said, you know, you're healed and that's it. However, in everybody's mind, there's an authority over them that if you don't satisfy that authority, you won't have peace. What does he tell her? He says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in. Because she didn't quite have it when she touched him. Even though she was healed in her body, she didn't have. you got to have that. In order to possess what you have, you have to have peace with it. If you went out and robbed a McDonald's, Every time you hear a siren, you made it home with the money and you had it in your house. Every time you hear a siren, you're looking out the window to see if they're coming for you. This is her. So he's going to take, number one, the fear out of her and the hustle out of her. So she don't have to keep telling people stories about why she's walking around. See, she needs to do a public declaration and then be approved of by a higher priesthood that she's okay. We know that Jesus did what he did because he wasn't a Levite. He wasn't born in that tribe. He was a prophet, but he operated out of the Melchizedek priesthood. Only prophet that ever did. Amen? So here he is, he's got to give her a clearance. He's got to check her out and let her know she's okay to have done this. And he said, don't don't be alarmed. That's the first thing he wants to do is let her, I'm not here to tell you you did wrong. And that's what we need to know about our interactions with Jesus. He's not going to tell us we did wrong. He's going to help us do what's right. Amen? Always. 
that never changes. Amen. And so here she is. He, he, she, she tells him everything. Why? Because she can't resist telling him the truth. She's under conviction. Amen. When you go to a Jesus meeting and he talks to you, you better do what he tells you to do. Amen. You know, even Peter, when they, when, when they caught two boatloads of fish, you know, Peter, before that, to, to, to Peter, Jesus was just a man. You could tell by the way he talked to him. Calling him master, but you don't want to do what he's telling you to do. Huh? Jesus says, put your nets back out there. We did this already. <sighs> you ain't no fisherman, no way. You don't know. All you know about is eating fish. That's all I ever said. Y'all know how we do. Your carnal mind take over and boy, some of the things you say, I didn't think I thought that way about that person. There it is right there in my brain. It's evidence. Huh? Hmm? We already did that. Oh? <laughs> Your kids tell you that. I did that already. Well, you didn't do it right. I could just, I could smell you until you didn't do it right. Go in there and do it again. That's what Peter needed. Uh, so there Peter is with an attitude. Nevertheless, just cause you said so, master, think you know everything. What's the sure cure for, for somebody who's at odds with God? What's the, it's goodness. It brings them to repentance. You want to take somebody who's hard-nosed, don't like you, and want to criticize you, everything you do, whatever, whatever. Just pray God's goodness on them. That's why he says pray for those who just, they go to ball and squall and cry, I'm sorry, I need me down to what got into me. Yeah, we do too, but whatever. But anyway, Peter starts pulling all them fish up. He's got to call, somebody has got to call another boat over to help him, and both nets broke. Huh? See, fishermen have lots of nets. They have the brand new nets, then they got the used ones, and they got the ones that's up for repair. We don't know what nets Peter threw in there. But brand new nets don't usually break. You got me? Got it? Yeah, we just throw some nets. Throw throw one net over in there. Jesus tells them throw nets in there. They throw one. Just get that one right there. You know, we're getting ready to fix it, but, you know, put it in there just to see what's, you know. Let's humor him. And all them fish come and Peter starts crying. (laughs) Get away from me. I'm a sinful man. First thing he did was confess his sin. Uh, and that's what what this woman's doing 
She's been caught by the master. Amen. That's what we need to do instead of asking God a million questions. Start confessing. Huh? I know where Jimmy Hoffa's body is. Just forgive me. Put the old and the new out there. Just clean your clock. Everything. Huh? Just stole Sister Bridget Marie's ruler. Yep. Everybody. Clean your clock while you're at it. So conviction's on her. That's why she confesses. She was determined not to tell nobody she was out the house that day. She was just going to go around healed. Maybe sneak back to the priest and get a clearing from them. She got a higher priest to give her clearance here. So your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. But she tells him all the truth. Not just him, but everybody who's standing there heard this. We know that later on we see evidence that her testimony went viral. Amen? Because over in, I think it, where is it? Uh, I think it's Mark. Two accounts of it. Mark 6. Turn over there real quick. We're almost there, right? Where are we, Mark 6? Okay, so Mark 6 in verse 36. It's not the one I want. 56, I'm sorry. It says here in verse 53, this is when he's gone across the water again to Gennesaret. When they had passed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and drew to shore. And when they would come out of the ship right away, they knew him. Same people that told him to leave the last time he was there. Oh, we know you. And ran through the whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was and wherever he entered into villages or city or country. This is the ten cities of Decapolis. The sick in the streets were besought him that they might but touch if it were the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. So. With her testimony, just this one testimony, her giving it there, went viral. Whole Ten whole cities came out to meet Jesus, and they got the same thing she got. So this testimony being full of power, the spirit of prophecy is a testimony of Jesus Christ. Wherever it's told, people get the faith to receive what it is that she got. Amen? So here this powerful testimony is given, you know, kind of on the... On the side. Her thing is, is as big as Jairus turns out to be. But there's something else working here that, that we need to at least look at, I think, you know, to understand why he made her stop. She was healed. She could have gotten away. He makes her stop. It works for her good because she gets peace about her healing. But to be honest with you, she might have been able to pick that up later. 
by the same Holy Ghost that told her to go touch. He said, see, you're well. And if the priest ever confronted her, all she had to do was be examined by the priest and she's cool. But he decides to do it this way. Jairus is waiting. His daughter is dying. Why is Jesus stopping? I think it's because Jairus' faith is so fragile and Jesus knows it. He needs to hear a good testimony that Jesus has got the goods because he's bringing this man to his house. Jesus knows before they start out that this girl's going to die before they get here. Amen. Any bad news that Jairus hears between here and there could tip him over into unbelief. Because the bad news is on its way and Jesus knows it. You ever stop to think sometimes, even though you might hear something that's not encouraging, somehow God's already prepared you to fight it off before you even hear the bad news? He knows in advance what what's going to take us down and what's going to raise us up, how to protect our faith. How to, He's in charge of it. Even though it's working in you and you've got to cooperate with the spirit of, of faith, he's still in charge of it. Amen? So here this woman just completes her testimony. Say, just in the nick of time. <laughs> Amen. She came up just in the nick of time. She talks in the... Suppose she had tried to run away. What were they going to do? Tackle her? I don't know. But Jesus has enough power. He knows what he can do. I just love that about him. Jesus, I don't have to know a whole lot. I just got to know you because you know what you can do. You do all things well. Very, very well. So he tells her, go in peace and be whole of your plague. Amen. You, you've done your job here. You're free. We're not going to hold you up any longer. I'm not going to take you anywhere and examine you. You get a clean bill of health. You can go home now. And it says, while he yet spoke, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house a person which said to him, your daughter's dead. How you like to have him for a best friend? Don't trouble the master any further. Don't, don't, you know, the devil is always trying to separate you from Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. This is his boys from the synagogue. This one of his, his, his partners, his ride or die. You know, he found his, his man up here. He's, yeah, you over here messing with that Jesus. You know what we said? We said a long time ago we wasn't going to go over to the other side. Huh? In fact, we've been putting people out when they say they're following him. Just come on back with me. No, it's over. Your daughter's dead. Thinking to myself, my goodness, he's not the undertaker, that's for sure. Undertakers are usually a lot nicer than that. Amen? He's sent by the devil. 
This man was on his way home already. Why do you need to come here and tell him what he's going to find out as soon as he gets there? You know, a true friend would say, well, you know what? Whatever I do is not going to help him in the condition he's in. We might as well try and make some him comfortable when he gets here. Why he got to do all this traveling, run down the road? Nobody happy about that but the devil. He said, why are you troubling the master? Like, you know, grinning in Jesus' face. Jesus, I'm doing this for you. See how nice I am? I don't want you to come down here for nothing. You're just going back where you came from. and I'm doing this to make it easier for you, Jesus. Huh? As soon, underline that, as soon as Jesus heard the same bad news that you hear, he told him this, don't be afraid, only believe. Amen. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Jairus needed that lady's testimony to bolster his faith because Jesus saw bad news coming in the next breath. That's why she's there that day, that time, doing what she's doing, mooching in the line, making him stop. All of that's God's design. God has designed enough things to keep your faith strong enough for you to get the promise. You won't miss it. He's in charge of orchestrating things so that you can stay in faith and only believe. And not let these bad words. Suppose he had not stopped for that woman. Jairus would have been going home with his ride or die to bury his daughter. That's what they want. It's what the devil's people want. It's what the devil wants. Wants us to quit on a sure thing. The minute Jesus got up and followed that man home, he saw that girl well. That girl was healed. Problem is, we got a stretch of time in in between there. How many of you know we all got a stretch of time? In between praying and receiving the full manifestation of it. That's why he gives us our faith. To, to hold on to so that we can believe we receive it when we pray. And you have it if you say you receive it. If you really believe that you've received it when you ask for it, then you have it. That's what Jairus had when they started walking. He had his daughter well because Jesus started going with me. He said, okay, I'm going with you. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. You'll see Jesus struggling with people and fighting with women. Well, no, we can't do it that way. Well, this is, you know, it's Wednesday. I'm off on Wednesdays. You understand what I'm saying? He doesn't, <laughs> sorry about it. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't strive with us about. That's why we shouldn't strive with people when they need prayer. Find out where you can agree with somebody and agree with them. Especially when you know the word. Don't make them turn, turn somersaults to Get in their faith and yeah, we gotta get your faith, right? Now you come on, I Most demanding people wouldn't know when faith was right if it, if God helped them with it. They'd be fighting with him. 
As soon as, I love that. As soon as Jesus heard it, he's hearing what you're hearing. As soon as he hears your bad news, he's heard it with you and he is there to strengthen you and tell you not to quit. Keep believing. Keep believing. Don't quit believing. You know, that's why it's good to not be so involved in stuff you're believing for. You know, just thank him for it and as a well, hey, you know, I, I gotta know now where am I? Is it close? Is it no. Just go keep believing. Leave it alone. You mess it up if I tell you too much. We're trying to walk by sight and faith at the same time. Amen. Walk by faith. You're you're not cited into the natural. That's why the Bible says Abraham considered not. He didn't even think about it. Why? He's tired of thinking about how old he was. He quit. One day he quit. Just took a day off and said, this feels pretty good. I think I'll just abandon this whole thought about how old I am, my body, whatever. Sarah, I'm not thinking about none of that no more. You can make a decision to quit peeking into the natural realm to try to see how your prayer is going. Quit being so nosy. Because you can't do anything but mess it up anyway. It's already perfected because of who's in charge of your faith. If there's something, listen, most of us, what God tells us to do to help the situation, we don't want to do it. Oh, it don't take all that. I love you, Jesus, and you know I love you. I've been believing you for this for Jesus. Don't don't try to play him. He heard it all, okay? Just go be obedient. So the Holy Spirit counsels you with an answer as soon as you hear bad news. You know, just just begin to to petition him, Lord. What's my answer? I know you, you want to give me, you have the answer for me right now. Amen? And be looking for good news when God gives it to you. Don't be afraid of God's answer. My goodness, you're scared of the doctor, scared of the devil, you're scared of everybody. You gotta let God be your friend. Amen? Be open to hear what he has to say. He knows you're gonna pass out and complain anyway. He tell you to stay in the word. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I just wasn't in the word enough. No, he said stay in there. Unless you ain't been in there. Shame on you. But get in there. One way or the other. Just crack your Bible open and, and act like you happy. No, act like you got it already. Then you'll soon have it. It's called faith. So here's this, you know, death man. The grim reaper comes up to this guy and says, don't trouble. Why are you troubling the master any further? Why you got to put Jesus' name in there? Because he wants him out. Because he wants a girl to die. You got to think about these things, folks. Some people want to be right so bad, they don't care if you lose somebody. They just want to be right. I told you. Everybody's a false prophet. So this is where 
Jesus gets down to brass tacks. He must preserve and protect Jairus' faith at this point. Because it's perfect. He protects what's perfect. Before the whole crowd was around, you know, it's a good crowd because it's a faith crowd. Amen. They, they have seen Jesus' miracles and believe in them. So it's a good faith crowd. But it's still a crowd. It's not a miracle working crowd. It's a faith crowd. Miracle working crowd is a crowd of hungry people and you tell them to sit down and they start expecting something to eat. Faith goes, that's easy to start reproducing food in front of because everybody wants something to eat. That's why Jesus said, sit them down first. Standing up people don't have the same faith as sitting down people. Why are we sitting down? We must be getting ready to eat. The faith goes through the roof. Amen. So here this crowd has been a good faith crowd just to stir things up. But now Jesus has to get it into the miracle working phase. So that's why he thins it out. He tells everybody, nope, it's over. That's all you came to see. This lady's going to, she got her miracle, go home. So he takes who he wants to take with him. Number one, they got to learn. Disciples always have to learn. Number two, this group knows how to shut up. You know, when Jesus gives them that look, your mother used to give you when you was out with company, you start running your mouth about the house was dirty when you left, that kind of stuff, that look. So he knows how to cut them that look so they shape up. They don't talk. They don't move. Nobody's bright ideas. Nobody's mama waiting outside saying, put my boy up there first. So they're all in faith now with him. So he only takes the ones who are going to be in faith with him. said he didn't allow any man to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And they see all these people. This this is the death crowd. Those that wept and wail greatly. Amen. So they're... They're there to stir up more discouragement, depression, grief, wailing. They're there to get your grief started so you can get it over with. You know, I think they were allowed, what, seven days or something, a 14 days mourning period. You, you know, they had to get you through the mourning period. So they got people who were expert at it, professional mourners. They had those back there. They came by your house, they brought casseroles. They would bring them sometimes when people were at the point of death because they didn't have time to run home and cook something before they died. So they got the food for the repast before the bodies, a body. It was very common. And that's what took people right on out of here. There was so much faith for death, for dying and quitting and giving up There was not much faith in that place for a miracle. And Jesus knew there was none. So he brings people with him who can strengthen 
the miracle working power, he could have done it by himself. Don't get him wrong. He's not dependent on anybody. But he obeys the Holy Spirit because these men who are with him are going to be the head of the church when he leaves. So that's what disciples do. They stay with the master. Wherever the master says go, they go. They're not busy that day. Or have a family reunion they just got to go to. True disciples. Amen. You know, the anointing is an investment. You just can't pick it up and put it down when you feel like it. You got to do what the master says to make sure you get it. Once you get serious, God will pour it out on you. But, you know, as long as you got other pressing stuff, I got to be somewhere. Yeah. You get skipped over. It's hard. It's tight, but it's right. Amen. If I had pressing things to do, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have a teacher here. You might have one here. It wouldn't be me. If I had, you know, I'm booked. Can't be booked when you work for God. And you're learning all the time. You're never so mature. You don't need to obey him so you can learn. Till you can walk across Lake Erie and it not be frozen, you got more to learn. Well, I'm learning. I'm doing. No, you ain't. You making excuses. You whining now. Whiners are not learners. Amen. There's a difference. So he takes Peter, James, and John and the parents in with him. When he gets to the house, he sees all these people moaning and wailing and carrying on. And he needs to stop all of this noise. Needs to clear the atmosphere. And he came in, he said to them, why are you carrying on like this and weeping? She is not dead, but she's sleeping. But I'm fine. You understand what I'm saying? He knows it's falling on deaf ears. He knows that that they're not going to believe. They're not believers' believers. But he has to stop that spirit of grief because now he's got to bring the dad back in and the dad's carrying the faith. So he stops it for Jairus' sake. So that it doesn't just creep over on him and he loses faith. He's got to still be believing. This is a condition for it because Jesus has already set the condition. Don't be afraid, only believe. So he has to go in and challenge the atmosphere that's dominating that place right now. And that atmosphere is grief and mourning and it's hopeless, it's helpless, she's dead. That's what that atmosphere is saying. And he says, she's not dead, she's sleeping. He said the same thing about Lazarus. Remember? These people that he knows he's going to raise up are not, they don't have death on them. They are temporarily suspended. You know, like they, the induced coma kind of thing. Amen. But he is holding their souls in life. And those souls can be retrieved and brought back into the natural realm at his command. So he's holding on to all of that. But Jairus has got to cooperate. And he's able to cooperate. 
See, Jairus thought he could just bow to Jesus one time and give him that courtesy. You know, love you, worship you, bless you, praise you. Thank you very much. Come come heal my daughter. Thank you very much. You understand? No, this ain't working. This is not going to work, Jairus. You got to be sincere. You got to be for real. We need to see a little bit more out of you. Huh? So that's why the long walk. That's why the woman with the issue of blood. To come and infuse him with faith that he needed for Jesus to do. Because we don't know what Jairus is real thinking about Jesus is. He's been his enemy for all this time. You know, you don't just instantly get converted when you dislike somebody. Been ragging him out, talking about him. He's probably got this little, this little voice in his head that said, now look at him, watch him, watch him. Now, see, if he don't do that like he did out over there, he ain't gonna heal your daughter. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it, a lot of things can come in your brain to rob you, and you're on your way for a miracle. Your spirit is already grabbed on, but your head is like banging up against a steel drum, trying to keep you from cooperating with your spirit. You can have have faith in your heart and mush in your head and still get a miracle. You just got to make sure the mush don't talk you out of it before it manifests. So you're on a time crunch (laughs) to get this thing done. They laughed him to scorn. He threw him out. Took the father and the mother of the damsel. He couldn't, could not heal this girl with all this grief still in the house. So he puts the grief out of the house, clears the atmosphere, so his words will reach this girl where she is. And he says, I say to you, arise. That's the same word that he told the, the man with the, the, you know, at the pool of Bethesda, rise, take up your bed and walk. Rise. That man was conscious and awake and alert. He just couldn't walk. Jesus used the same word for her. Because where he sees her, she is totally capable of doing things living. She is in life asleep. She is not dead. Amen? And so he says, he took her by the hand. He tells her, I say to you, arise right away. She arose and walked. For she was the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. Everybody. The parents, the disciples. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it. In other words, don't you go telling your testimony. I know you just saw a lady do that. I asked her to. I'm asking you not to. Why? Well, look at where he lives. Look at who his friends are. That girl will be dead in 24 hours if he goes blabbing it to the right Pharisee with the right devil to steal your, your goods away from you. He tell the right person and, and they'll start staring at her and say, well, she do like she look, I wonder if she really is. You know, she looks a little bad right now. You can question your miracle real quickly, depending upon who you tell it to. And Jesus is looking at them and said, no, nah, y'all don't live right enough yet to start defending this miracle. Got me? So just don't tell anybody. Give her some of this food because they cooked it for her anyway. 
They weren't expecting her to really eat it, but it's her food. Give us some of her food. And be quick about it. Get some of that fried chicken. Ain't that good? Girl, they make good chicken at these funerals. Them funeral potatoes. I've, they've got recipes for funeral potatoes. I've seen that. Don't make me none, okay? <laughs> but the parents, the parents need more evidence and more evidence that she's well. You know, no soft diet, you know, all that jello, put that away. I don't want the jello right now. Give her some chicken, potato salad. Something that's gonna might give her heartburn if she weren't in a better condition. You know what I'm saying? All right, why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us with the reality of your holy word. You are holy, God. Without blame, there's nothing wrong with you. You don't make mistakes. And I thank you, Lord, that we know that nobody here is a mistake ever. Not being born, not being here, not being saved. We're all under your approval. You approve of us from day one all the way down to now. doesn't matter what we've done. We're forgiven. Our sins are forgiven by a holy God who won't lie to us and who won't turn his back on us, won't quit on us. We love you, Jesus. We love you with everything that's in us and then some. We love you with that and beyond. And we thank you for blessing us, healing us, helping us, making us whole. Thank you, Lord. Expect to be made whole is what the Lord is. Expect everything that's been stolen to come back abundantly sevenfold and beyond expect everything that you're expecting to be more than what you're expecting says the Lord I plan to go over and above what your mind can think I plan to do so much for you that you won't be able to keep up as I said in my word so plan and expect to receive because certainly it belongs to you without fail There's nothing you need to do. Just believe and not doubt. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe, says the Lord. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. believe. If anybody needs prayer, why don't we get started? I'll pray for them over this way.